him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for the Word of God that you've allowed us to read tonight. Thank you, Lord, for another opportunity that we have just to meet together and the privilege that's mine, Lord, to be able to preach. And, oh, God, I realize without your power and your touch that all that I say will come to naught. I pray, Lord, for wisdom. I pray for the power of God. I pray to help me to be a blessing and be an encouragement to your people. I pray our minds and thoughts will be on you tonight. And I pray you'd help us and strengthen us spiritually in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, I want to talk about uh, the sevenfold blessing upon the believer. Uh, and, uh, you know, this, these verses have a lot to be thankful for. There are seven things mentioned. There may be more. I've got seven. And uh, there are many, many more throughout the Word of God. The first one we'll look at is in verse 3, and that is that He has blessed us. The Bible said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. This is past tense. He's not going to bless us. He's already blessed us. And uh, we know that this comes... Uh, from the Lord, uh, and uh, it said that he's blessed us with all spiritual uh, blessings. Now, in Acts 3, verse 26, he said, Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you. And it tells us how. In turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Now, that's a blessing, isn't it? Uh, is not to be in bondage to sin. You know, John says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Uh, you know, you see the winos and the drunkards and uh, the condition that they're in, and but for the grace of God, that would be me, and that'd be you. Uh, he has blessed us, the Bible said, uh, in that he turned us away from our iniquities, and that was brought about uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Then there's a couple of verses I want to look at in, in 2 Peter and chapter 1, if you want to check with me. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 and 4, that's page 1317. 
Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. And he said, According as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now he's given us, the Bible said, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Look at James said that every good gift, every perfect gift, cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Everything that I enjoy in life that's any good, the Bible said is from the Lord. You know, I think the Lord gets blamed for things that well to blame on the devil. Uh, the good things in life, according to that verse, come from the Lord. And uh, so he has blessed us. He's blessed us physically, materially, spiritually, most of all. And I think that's what he has in mind here. In fact, he says it. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings, and he's done it through Christ. And without him, we cannot receive the blessings of God. We won't be recipients of any of the blessings of God. We'd be on our way to hell tonight if it weren't for Jesus Christ. So he's the one that needs the glory and, and, and all, uh, all the praise. I was uh, reading Dr. McGee, and, and uh, he was uh, uh, talking about uh, uh, his ministry over the years and, uh, in the book and uh, how that uh, uh, sometimes people would come to him and say, that was a beautiful sermon. He said, I'm not interested in preaching beautiful sermons. He said, I'm not interested in getting the glory. I'm interested in the Lord getting glory. He related an experience when he was a pastor at one time, a young man that came to him out of the service. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, with tears in his eyes, uh, he said, I never knew that Jesus Christ was so wonderful. And he said, that's the kind of, uh, kind of blessings, that's the kind of preaching I want to do. And, and uh, God help us all to be like that. He's blessed us. Then not only that, but he has chosen us, verse 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now there's some verses here that, uh, that uh, trouble a lot of people. He talks about predestination. He talks about choosing. And, and I don't uh, claim to understand all that there is to know about this subject. But uh, it's my understanding that it's to be understood in the foreknowledge of God. And when I can understand that, then I can understand the other. That God has foreknowledge. God knows everything about the past. He knows everything about the present. He knows everything about the future. He knew that in the beginning. He knew man would sin. And uh, uh, he didn't want man to sin, but he knew he would. And uh, he, the Bible, there's a verse that said the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. And so a sacrifice is already planned before it ever happened. But God has all knowledge, and since that is true, God knew that I would be saved. He knew that you would be saved. And therefore, he can predestinate certain things about my life and, and, and about service for him. That doesn't mean that I was predestinated to be saved 
and I didn't have any choice. Now, there's some that carry it too far. And uh, the, the Calvinists, they, they uh, uh, say that there are certain ones that are chosen to be saved and certain ones chosen to be lost. And if you're one chosen to be saved, you're going to get saved and you can't help it. And if you're one chosen to be lost, then there, the, you can't be saved even if you wanted to. I don't believe that. Right. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. Amen. But I believe it's all to be understood in the foreknowledge of God. In fact, that's what the Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. We are elected according to the foreknowledge of God uh, the Father. And in fact, uh, I had a discussion with a gentleman, uh, you know, some, uh, some weeks ago on this very subject. And, and he believed basically uh, what, what I just explained. You know, if you're elected, uh, you know, they carry the sovereignty of God too far. And if you're elected to be saved, you're going to be saved. And if you're not, you can't get saved. Uh, well, uh, there's not much... Uh, uh, there's not much motivation to, to, for soul winning when you believe that. I mean, a person's going to be saved anyway. Why try to win anybody to Christ? Uh, they're going to be saved where you, where you try to witness to them or not. But uh, I thank God that someone cared for me and someone told me. Amen. And uh, didn't uh, just let it go and take it for granted. But it's all according to the foreknowledge of God. Now in John 15, 16, he says, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And uh, we find here that he chose us, what purpose, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's what God wants. God wants us to honor, he, honor him. He saved us that our life might honor the Lord. And that's what God wants in our life. And one day we'll be presented uh, without spot or wrinkle. Ephesians 5 and, and verse uh, 27 uh, says, I like what the Song of Solomon in chapter 4, verse 7 says, Thou art all fair, my love. There is no spot in thee. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. And I think if you study that, it's a wonderful picture of Christ and the church. And he said, There's no spot in thee. That's true about Jesus. One day it'll be true about us. And it will only be true when God gets through with us. You've seen the sign, Be patient with me. God's not through with me yet. And if we'd remember that, it'd help us, you know. Uh, in, in dealing with, uh, with our fellow believers and, and fellow man, uh, especially fellow believers, uh, that uh, God's still working on us. So he's chosen us. Then not only that, verse 5 said he's predestinated us, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. And again, I think we've, uh, we've explained this. He has predestinated us after he chose us, we are predestinated and uh, to the, according to the good pleasure of his will. So the order is foreknowledge and second of all, election and then predestination. So he elects us according to the foreknowledge of God and God knows who will be saved, who won't be saved and those God knows will be saved are elected and predestinated to the adoption of children. And we dealt with that subject maybe on Wednesday night recently, uh, this matter uh, of adoption. So I'll not uh, uh, go into uh, that uh, any further. You can read about it in Galatians 4 and Romans 8 if you didn't uh, get in on that study. And it explains the matter uh, of adoption. 
We think of adoption uh, as, uh, you know, adopting a child that is not your own. But adoption in the Bible doesn't, uh, doesn't mean that. It was the legal process in a Jewish family of legally uh, adopting one's own natural-born child. And then the child became a legal heir to all that the father had. And that's what God's done to us. He is, we're born into his family. We, we're his by birth, but he goes a step farther. We're his by adoption. Now, he didn't have to do that. I mean, he could have saved me from hell, and that would have been wonderful, wouldn't it? But he went beyond that. And he said, I not only, I not only save you, we, uh, you know, he say he redeemed us for the purpose of adoption. He doesn't want us just to be saved. He wants us to share in all of his glory and all of his treasure that he has created. And that's wonderful. Uh, you know, we, I don't think we begin to comprehend what we have in Christ. What a wonderful, wonderful thing it is to be saved and to be a child of God. And so he's predestinated us. Fourthly, he has accepted us. Verse 6 to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Now, He's accepted us in Christ. That's what He has in mind. He's accepted us in Christ because of the blood that Brother Woodbury preached about this morning. Because of the precious blood, then God accepts us. And we're reconciled to God. That word reconciliation is is a wonderful truth. God doesn't have to be reconciled. We're the one that's wrong. And, but Jesus took care of the wrong, and uh, therefore God can bring us uh, to himself. And, and that's, the only, that's the only basis that God can accept me or accept anybody. I was thinking as Brother Carl was preaching this morning, I thought of Brother Johnson before he went on to glory, just uh, two or three days, I guess it was, and, and I talked to him. And he realized that uh, God was going to take him home. And, uh, uh, and we had a wonderful time of fellowship. And he raised his hand and said, Preacher, I'm trusting in the blood of Jesus. I said, it'll not fail you. And thank God it didn't and it won't. And I'm glad that the blood of Jesus Christ is all sufficient. And he accepts us through the blood. He accepts us because our sins paid for it. That's hard for people to understand, hard to get across to people. It's a very basic truth, but a very important truth that God cannot, God will not accept us any other way except through the blood of Christ. And because the blood is the payment for our sin. And I agree, Brother Woodbury, it's, it's more than just the death of Christ. And some of the new versions of the Bible change the word blood to death. People say, what's the difference? There's a lot of difference. Most people die without shedding their blood. Jesus had to shed his blood. Hebrews 9 says, well, that shedding of blood is no remission unless the payment is made and that blood had to be offered and had to be shed and had to be offered as payment for our sin. Uh, and uh, therefore, I, I have a problem with that. That's the reason I don't accept these other versions. I have a problem with it. Uh, you know, uh, when I, many years ago now, and I was a young preacher and young pastor, and we were supporting this before I came to this church. We were supporting some missionaries. And, and my wife and, and myself, we went on a mission tour to Jamaica, then on to Mexico. And we went to Jamaica and spent uh, several days there, maybe a week. I, I, I can't remember now. But, uh, but I realized that 
they were teaching uh, is RHRB, I can't remember now, theme. I don't know where any of you ever heard of him. It's been many years ago. And uh, uh, anyway, his doctrine uh, was, was basically what Brother Woodbury was, was dealing with some this morning, uh, was that the blood of Christ was not that important. It wasn't important that he shed his blood. And he said only bleeding of Christ was a little trickling down from the thorns and a little bleeding around the nails said they want a whole lot of bleeding. He needs to read his Bible. You know, the soldier went by and stuck the spear in his side and out came blood and water. I want to tell you, Jesus gave all of his blood. He shed all of his blood. Well, suffice it to say, when I got back home, the church dropped that mission project. We weren't going to support something that was treading on the blood, treading on holy things. And, uh, you know, there's things you can compromise on, but there's something that there's no point of compromising. That's the blood. I understand this same preacher would stand up in church and, and uh, use blasphemous words and, and curse words freely. I think the fellow need to get saved myself. And I'm not look, I can't look in his heart, I know that. But, uh, but when a person denies the blood, I don't believe they're saved. And so he's accepted us and he accepts us through the blood. That's what God told Cain there in Genesis 4 and verse 7. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. God gives, God gives Cain another chance, really. He's telling him, if you'll bring the blood, I'll accept you. Amen. If you'll do well, if you'll bring the blood, I'll accept you. And that's only God's going to accept any of us, folks. Ain't none of us good enough to go to heaven. Amen. And uh, we have to go with the blood. Amen. Now, the Bible said in Galatians 2, verse 6, that God accepteth no man's person. God doesn't accept uh, us uh, as we are and in our, uh, in our sins. He accepts us in the beloved. He accepts us in Christ. Then let me move on. Number five, uh, he has redeemed us. Verse seven, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Notice, we have redemption through his blood. There's that blood again. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. God cannot forgive me except through the blood. And Brother Carl's reading that this morning. Uh, there in Leviticus, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for the soul. For it is the blood, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. And how true that is. I like the illustration he used about, about the truck, you know. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know where you've ever had a, uh, you know, your uh, septic tank pumped out or not. You ever had the honey wagon come to your place? That's, uh, I guess it's still in business. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know what, if, uh, uh, what if that brought you milk? <laughs> Say, we're going to bring you a load of milk on the way, then we'll pump your septic tank. Uh, I thought of that as, you know, he's using a similar illustration there. And, and uh, he's talking about the blood, you know, how it carries nourishment to the body and, and, and so forth, and then carries back trash and, and, and poisons and refuge. That's really what, you know, is, is a picture of what's happening and how God keeps all that separated, I don't understand. But aren't you glad he does? And we have a great God. But he's redeemed us. He's redeemed us. Now, that goes back to the Old Testament there where that... Uh, uh, you know, if, if a man waxed poor, he could sell himself, uh, you know, as a servant, his possessions or whatever. And later on, he could redeem himself. Uh, or if he wasn't able to redeem himself, 
then a near kinsman could redeem him. And there's a wonderful story in the book of Ruth. If you hadn't ever studied the book of Ruth, my, what a blessing. Uh, there, a wonderful story of Christ, their Redeemer. And uh, uh, there were three conditions that had to be met. He had to be a close kinsman in order to be a Redeemer. This anybody can do it. He had to be related. He had to be a kinsman. And so Jesus Christ took a body of flesh that he might fill that requirement of a near kinsman. And then second of all, he had to be able. You know, he had to be able. If you read the story there, Boaz, of course, he, he wanted Ruth. He wasn't so concerned about the land. He was in love with Ruth. That's what he, who he is after. And another fellow was closer than him, and he had the right to redeem. But he wasn't able to do it. And Boaz was able to do it there. He had to, you had to be able. He had to have the price. And Jesus is the only one that was able to redeem you and I. He had the price. That was the blood of Christ. And the Bible says in 1 Peter 1, For as much as you know you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And there's nothing more important. And then thirdly, and very important, he had to be willing. He had to be a near kinsman. He had to be able to redeem. And he had to be willing to redeem. And aren't you glad Jesus was? He was willing. He said, no man takes my life from me. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up again. He's our kinsman redeemer. And what a wonderful, wonderful truth that is. We have redemption through his blood. Not our own blood, but through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And then uh, number six, he has enlightened us. And that's in verse 8 through 12 wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. He has enlightened us. I, again, I, Brother Woodbury's message fresh on my mind, so I'm referring back to it quite a bit. And kind of, I didn't realize it was going along that much with the message tonight. But, uh, but I'm I, I thinking about all the training that he had and all the education, and yet, uh, yet he was ignorant of the, of the most important thing. Uh, and, of course, I don't know where you've ever read his testimony, heard his testimony. You know, God used a backwoods, country, uneducated preacher to win him to Christ. Isn't that just like the Lord? <laughs> you know? And, uh, but, uh, but anyway, uh, he, he has enlightened us. He has, he has taught us. And uh, redemption and salvation is, uh, uh, is uh, something that God has to reveal to you. It's not something you figure out on your own. The Bible said the world by wisdom knew not God. Now, you don't analyze God, put him in a test tube, and analyze God and come to the conclusion that it might be right. Although the Bible says, come and let us reason together. I know that. But it's a divine revelation of God. And it's also divinely revealed as far as, uh, uh, as their understanding of the Scripture. He has made known unto us the mystery of his will. He's abounded in all wisdom and prudence. And... Uh, uh, I, I was trying to remember, I think it was, 
Oh, can't even think of his name now, much less the story. I'll think of it maybe here in a minute. Vance Hefner. Uh, was it him? Was it he that said, uh, uh, you know, uh, some people they don't they don't get the English right, and and they use uh, uh, seen when they should have used saw, and and vice versa. He said, I'd rather I'd rather hear a fellow that that used the wrong word that had seen something. <laughs> the fellow had all right and hadn't seen anything. <laughs> Because he had those little sayings, you know, nobody like him could put it as like him. Uh, really master it uh, at uh, those witty sayings. But uh, uh, anyway, God is the one that enlightens our mind. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 through 12, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what, or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. You know, he's telling us there that even a lot of those things the prophets wrote down, they didn't completely comprehend them themselves. Right. I would say the Bible's inspired. Uh, you know, how could, uh, how could they write it down, write something down if they didn't even understand what they was writing and comprehend it? It's the Word of God. And the angels desire to look into it. They do not, they don't, I don't believe the angels even understand redemption to the extent that His people do. God's revealed these blessed truths unto you and I. And I was thinking about that, about all that's in the Bible and all the truths that are contained in the Word of God, uh, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of things that are there that we hadn't even begun to see yet. And sometimes you hear someone else teach or hear someone else preach, and, and, and they, they take a scripture and they bring it up, and you think, man, why didn't I see that? <laughs> you know, that is there all the time. And I believe there's a whole lot of other things. I, I think there are things ain't nobody's seen yet. Uh, and God... Uh, uh, as he begins to, to show these things to us. You know, one thing about prophecy is we understand it in, in the light, I guess, of, 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 of current events, sometimes far signs. And uh, sometimes, you know, you preach something and you relate it to, uh, to what's happening today, and then 10 years from now, it, it's a totally different picture. Yeah. I guess the best thing is to stick with the Word of God and, and uh, don't be, you know, too uh, led off by what may be happening at the present time. But he's enlightened us. God does that. And then finally, he has sealed us. Verse 13 and 14, In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth. And notice the order. After you heard the word of truth. That's the reason we need to witness. That's the reason we need to give out the word of God. You can't trust unless you've heard. Isn't that what Romans says? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call in him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? And so that's God's plan. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. Well, you are in that sense. You are in the sense that you should be witnesses and everybody ought to be doing that. Everybody may not pastor or stand behind a pulpit and preach a message, but we're all preachers and giving out the Word of God. Notice he said, After you heard the Word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. 
and you have to believe to be sealed. That's the reason I think you ought to, you ought to, you ought to uh, believe before you get baptized. And, and parents can't believe for you. I think I was preaching on the radio recently along that line. And uh, if someone will show me in the Bible, you know, where you're supposed to baptize babies, I'll start doing it. I can't find it in the Bible. Only place I find the Bible, people ought to be baptized, people are saved. Amen. You ought to get saved. You ought to believe and then be baptized. But the most important thing he says here, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, the praise of his glory. He has sealed us with the Spirit of God. Ephesians 4.30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. He's not a-leaving. He sealed us. We've been canning some beans this sermon. You been canning any? And, uh, uh, you know, you put those things in that pressure pot. I don't see how in the world they stand that heat, I tell you. But, uh, 10 pounds pressure for 25 minutes and then take them out of that thing and, and uh, you, you start cooling off when that lid pops. And that means they're sealed until the day of redemption. <laughs> until the day when you pour them out in the pot and, and eat them. Uh, so uh, we are sealed. I don't know whether that's a good illustration or not, but we're sealed until the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Spirit of God. He seals us until the day he finishes what he started. That's what he talks about this earnest here. You know, and I've illustrated before, you go get a car, and uh, you say, I want that car, and uh, the salesman may say, well, there's two or three more one. If you'll give me a couple hundred dollars, I'll save it for you. You come back in a couple of days, and it's yours. And uh, you say, well, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't want to give any money. He said, well, I can't say. I can't hold on to it. But the Lord, he didn't have to do that, but he gave us the Holy Spirit. As the earnest, he says, until the redemption of the person's possession. Take this, I'll be back to finish what I started. Aren't you glad of that? And I'll tell you one thing. I'm I'm sure hoping he'll finish it pretty soon. Uh, (laughs) Because this old body is getting, you know, it's it's wearing out all the time. Uh, You know, don't you feel like that? And, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you get around uh, people that's up in years usually and they, they talk about their ailments. <laughs> and uh, I was having lunch with Brother Carl today and, you know, everybody shares their, their aches and pains and all that's wrong with them. Of course, he's had a lot of serious problems there. And, and uh, but aren't you glad we're going to get a new body? We're going to get a new body. And uh, the guarantee of that's the Holy Spirit. We've been, we stayed on the Holy Spirit. I had 20 studies, and we reviewed this past Wednesday night, uh, and, and, and the Holy Spirit and, and His importance, and He is very important because if you don't have Him, you have no guarantee of a glorified body at all, none. He's the guarantee. He's the earnest. His presence says that the transaction will be finished, and it will. I can't look out over this congregation and know who's his. I hope everybody is. But I don't know definitely. I know I am. <laughs> and I think you are, but I, you know, I don't know that for sure. But God does. He knows for sure those that are his and those that aren't.
sealed us to the day of redemption. Let's bow our heads.